Thank you for tuning in to the new episode of the Mindful Steward podcast. I just recorded an episode with my friend Serena Abalian. Um, I first met her probably about six or seven, maybe eight months ago. We kind of connected based on the topic of mindfulness and meditation. But um, since that time, she has hosted and organized a whole series of events in the community, um, meditation events and sustainable living events um, with a pretty interesting group of speakers and, and people who are involved. And she's actually started her own podcast called Consciously Sassy, where she talks about pretty similar topics to what I tend to chat about on here. So um, I feel like this episode has been a long time in the works. We finally managed to set up a time and what we spoke about ended up being a lot about sustainability, um, some biohacking, which is kind of a new term for me. And um, I guess we got into mindfulness as well. She really has a lot of insightful things to share. So catching up with her and having meaningful chats is always, is always a cool thing. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Again, if you haven't heard of this show before, um, basically I am all about meditation for performance. It's not really about being strict with meditation, but it's just about the benefits that it can have for your mind and your lifestyle. So one thing I do have is a free meditation that I recorded with Michelle Pound. That is available on my website, themindfulsteward.com, if you do sign up for the newsletter. Um, the newsletter really is nothing. I don't spam anyone. I think once every three to six months, I just send out the top performing podcast episodes and articles. So you get a free meditation, and I'm going to be sending out a lot more free meditation resources as well. And it includes a couple little ebooks that I created. So Without further ado, I'll get this episode started and definitely give Serena a follow if you are interested in learning more about what she's up to. She has a lot of good content coming out all the time. I did an episode with my friend Ross and it was so tight for time that we just mm. went to the library near his work and just recorded it in there. Yeah. And... Neither of us had like a Toronto ID, so you can't actually rent. So we had to, oh. I don't know how we did it, but we somehow <laughs> made it work. Yeah. Like, I think we lied to the lady or something like that. It's a white lie. It's fine. Yeah. A lie to use a library space that no one's using. Exactly. Yeah. We're being productive. See, and now I'm more, uh, uh, I'll, I'll consider using a library space now that you've mentioned it to me, but I'll do it um, legally. Yeah. And so. You have a Toronto license? No, I don't want a license, but I have a library card. Oh, okay. Do you need a, do you need, I have like... Yeah, that's what you need. You need a license or a Toronto library card. But oh. you also need a Toronto ID to have a library I have card. an, like I have OHIP. I have my... You have like, OHIP? How do you have OHIP? I'm a Canadian citizen. Really? Yes, I've told you this before. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a Canadian I guess citizen. I I've had that. OHIP for, yeah, since I got here, basically. Okay. Not, wow, like, that makes not it, what I've not yeah. but... So you're planning on staying here. Yeah, I think I think I'll stay here for the next two years. My sister will hopefully come to university here too. Not this coming year, but next year. And then I think after that, then I'll definitely be ready to leave, just for like a bit. Yeah. But that's what a lot of people we'll do, though. They come here, enjoy it, and yeah. kind of feed off everything that's happening here, and then they exactly. leave. Exactly. Yeah, I would definitely see myself coming back because it's just so close to all of my family and whatnot. But I mean, there's so much. There's so much to see. Like there's. So you wouldn't go and live in Boston again. No. Okay. Where would you go? No. I want to go to Australia. 
I want to go so oh, bad. You're gonna do the work visa thing. So yeah, so bad. Um, so that's on that's on the plan. I don't think you would regret that. No. I don't think anyone ever regrets that. <laughs> anyone ever. If anyone, it's just the people who regret it are the Australians who move here. They regret are, it? <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Probably not. But definitely their first winter. I've experienced, I have like a couple of good Australian friends right now and they are just. Okay. Well, they're, they're experiencing winter here. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking of in BC. Like, I don't know if you've been to uh, BC, but yeah, yeah, yeah. so many Australians yes, are in so Whistler yes, and, yes. and Banff. And yeah, yeah. They love it though. Yeah, they love it. They're, well, it's so, it's so temperate. It's so mild there. Yeah. But here, you no, know, you're asking for it. It's might as well be New York or, or Montreal. Like it's just, it's cold and it's, nobody likes it. But. Yeah. Plus you can't really ride down mountains and enjoy it in the same way. It's not the same. You can go skating outside, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Other than that. Pretty much. They don't got nothing else here. Pretty much. They have everything else down there. I don't know why we don't all move there. I would love to move there. Right? Yeah, I feel like I will one day. I Everyone says they're like, the I second mean, you go, you're never going to want to come back. And I was yeah. like, okay, great. So be prepared. I know. It happens to me every time I go there. I still have always thought in the back of my head that I'll end up there. Yeah. I'm just loving what's going on here right now. Yeah. 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 Well, so. it's Australia's not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. Global warming is, is a shit show, but it's not, it's, it's too big to sink for now or to drown. However, islands do their thing. <laughs> like Italy's going. Italy's next. Italy's next? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What's that city with all the, the canals and stuff? I have no, oh. The one, is it Florence? I can't, I have no idea. Vienna? I might, don't know. It might be You know Vienna. what I'm talking about? I know the right? one, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, where everyone Everyone's kind on of... the gondolas? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That one's going under. And... Okay. Yeah. This is a good segue. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. I, yeah. Good job. Um, <laughs> I, I do this too. I know. I, I know can, how to help you out. You can tell you have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so true. <laughs> so what's the deal with global warming? And <laughs> what's the deal? What's the deal? Oh, what's the deal? Okay, well... Because I, I want to talk to you about yeah, sustainability. Yeah. I feel like you're a good person to talk to about Thank that. Thank you. I would love to share everything that I know. Just open the vault of information. Awesome. Um, I shouldn't call it global warming. That's an incorrect term. It is... It's climate change is the, is the correct term, I guess. Uh, because it's not just, like, the warming of the globe. Um, that's not the only thing that's happening. Um, in terms of what it is and how, how, it's, how it's going... It's not going, it's not going too well. It's, um, it, whether people would like to agree with it or not, like you can deny it as much as you want, but it, it has not only been scientifically proven, but people are, are really seeing the effects of it. Um, and it's, it's caused by, by humans, whether we like to believe it or not. So it's an anthropogenic, uh, change in our climate and environment and weather. Um, the way that, you know, scientists are looking at it right now is that we really only have about a decade before every th before we hit this sort of tipping point where it becomes virtually impossible for us to a turn things around or b to slow things down at all. So right now, a lot of our like it's it's a scary number. It's a very small number. Like ten years is is a small number. Yeah, ten it's years terrifying. fly by. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's very depressing. Sitting in lecture for the past two years has been very depressing. Um, but I'd like to think that I'm a climate optimist, as they call it. Um, and I think that's really the only way you can look at it. Cause if you stay in a very cynical mindset, then I mean, 
sure, just keep doing what you're doing. Drive capitalism to the ground and, and just watch it blow up in your face. So why are you optimistic about it? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not. <laughs> I'm just curious about your reasons. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, I feel like for, for two main reasons. One, because I feel like I have to be. Um, because, again, I think if you look at a situation like what we're in right now and and you see it at a point of despair and hopelessness, then you're not going to be productive about it. But looking at something and believing that it can change or having faith in the fact that we can actually do something about it gives you that, like, fire in order to want to create that change, uh, in essence. And then, at the same time, because I just would like to have more faith in, in us as humans <laughs> and know that, and know that you know, generally in particular times in crisis, people have risen to the occasion. Um, and at least in the last, you know, decade it's become trendy and while you know that's a whole nother conversation of, of, of whether you know the the trendiness of the word sustainability and like you know eco-friendly and recycling and all this stuff is is helpful or hurtful um at the end of the day it is on people's mind like it's not it's not awkward to be sitting in a coffee shop and having a conversation about waste or you know to kind of like shit talk your friend and say like Oh, you're using a, a plastic straw. Have you thought about that? Like, save the sea turtles, which I hate when people say that. But um, but I, th I think it's becoming, it's a topic of conversation that people are feeling more comfortable having right now. And I think that that's, that's optimistic at all. Because I think the second that it, it moves from the private sphere of, like, being in the scientist, scientific world and being left up to politicians, and now we're actually, want, like, wanting to learn about it and talking about it, I think that's that's enough to be to be happy about because then you can you can have longer conversations you can change people's mind you can do the whole yeah absolutely <clears throat> um i was gonna say like i think humans are really good at solving problems last minute i've heard this over and over mm -hmm. from people who lecture about basically global warming mm -hmm. or climate change <laughs> i should pro probably start calling it by its <laughs> proper name um but yeah, they talk about how humans rise to the occasion all the time, but yes. it's always last minute. It's yeah. like the common theme, which exactly. is the problem. Yes. But I mean, I'm going to ask you in a second, like yeah. what kind of technologies are happening? I don't know if you know that. I feel like uh, there are some things that are actually really interesting. Like I heard about this thing in Finland or mm -hmm. Sweden where... They're, by the way, those countries are freaking amazing. We need to all pay attention to what they're doing because yeah. they're all completely right. Anyways. Yeah, they're doing amazing they're doing things. Amazing like, things. I forget <laughs> they, was... they deserve an, we deserve all the awards. Like yeah. they, they got it going on. Yeah, and I think they already have it figured out. And then everyone yeah. else is just going to figure it out last minute. need to minute. copy and paste. Yeah. But I mean, it's cool seeing it become such a normal topic because mm -hmm. I mean, when I, I guess I've been really obsessed with snowboarding since I was like a little kid. Mm -hmm. It was like my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously snowboarders care about snow and in places like Ontario where we're getting less and less snow every mm -hmm. winter, people really care about it. So it's mm -hmm. something that all my friends, like my social circle has basically been obsessed with that topic mm -hmm. since I was like super young. So I've always been super conscious of it, but you go everywhere now and it's like, it was never on products before, mm -hmm. you know, it was never a business strategy right. to promote social consciousness. Maybe it was in other ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many neat things happening. I feel like you know way more about that than me probably. I mean, it's, it's just, 
it's something like like for example I haven't I have no idea I've never done any winter sports ever besides like ice skating um but so I would not know the difference between real snow and fake snow and how that affects the way that you get to enjoy that activity uh you, you know what I mean yeah um so what's interesting is that that same um, narrative where the people who are experiencing this change is occurring is not becoming like widespread enough. Um, so I guess your situation would be like very like simple and small, but it's still major because it's talking about the fact that our climate is changing so much that we can no longer uh, enjoy the activities that we did based on the fact that it's dependent on weather. Um, and then going more on like the much more intense spectrum of that, we now have climate refugees so it's human beings in various communities and populations who are being driven out of their homes because they can no longer live there because the conditions are not livable or because um, other companies are uh, forcibly moving them out and then all due to, you know, effects of climate change. So, but those people are seeing the differences in the way in which they farm or the way in which they fish or do their animal agriculture. And that's been so distant from us, at least in the Western world, where, you know, all of our food comes from the grocery and we don't have to really worry about, you know, our high-rise buildings falling because of erosion or something of that sort. You know what I mean? Like, we're very solid here and everything just feels so distant uh, so when we experience smaller changes, like, oh, this isn't, can you guys call it fresh powder? Like, is that a thing? Or am I just making that up? I just, <laughs> well, just trying yeah, to be cool. Like, yeah, that's more of, you get that in the mountains. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so pretend <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Um, but that's something that, that you guys are seeing and experiencing because you're, A, out in nature and whatnot. Um, but still, that even is distant from maybe what people in the city are experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's one of the biggest things, is that these stories aren't being shared and that it's not becoming a uh, an imperative issue, like you said, where we're really good at fixing things right before like the volcano erupts sort of thing. And on top of that, we're really good at Band-Aid solutions. And part of the... I mean, the, what's gotten us here is because of constantly Band-Aiding everything and hoping that one day like the stitches won't just burst um but you know we're it's come to a point where when you wait it's like penning in a paper last minute it's so much better when you spend you know the time that your professor allotted you to do it actually writing it like day by day you write a little bit more you write a little bit more you get to edit it as you go versus writing it five hours before it's due you're skimping out. You're cutting corners. And that's the same exact thing that's yeah, a you're, happening right now. You're risking it too. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're risking <laughs> a horrible grade. You don't yeah. you don't really have time to go over it and patch up the problems, you know? Nope. No. So that's one of my biggest fears now too, is because it's so topical and such a trendy conversation right now to be more sustainable and more ethical and again, those words don't really have concrete definitions and that's part of the problem. Uh but I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> I just, I was thinking about like, because I had this question to someone else about the definition of sustainability. Um, but, oh yes, so we're, I feel like what's going to end up happening is we're going to come up with a solution that kind of softly, like gives a soft landing to the problem, but then underneath it is this like massive new issue that's going to come from it. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we. I like, mean, I'm hoping that's not right, the case. Right. I'm hoping but... that's not the case. But I think. But I think that's going to be the case if we don't think methodically and like put this idea of longevity to our prop uh, to our solutions, uh, because like a band-aid only lasts a couple of hours or it only lasts until you, you know, wash your hands and then it comes off. Yeah. Even the waterproof ones are, or the waterproof ones. Okay. Yes. Let's think long-term. Let's put a, let's put a waterproof band-aid on, but then those suckers, you can never take them off. And then they leave stains on your skin. Like, you know, they're problems. <laughs> and this band-aid analogy is fantastic. I was going to say a bit of a stretch, but I, I mean, it works. Right. It works in it my works. mind. Yeah. I know it's, it's interesting. Like, to even relate it back to snowboarding, mm. I mean, I'm not trying to make this, I'm not going to make this political, but, but it, it, is, it, it is surprises me what? when people deny that this is happening. Like, yeah. I even have, like, this story is just one that yeah. I have in my real life yeah. experience besides noticing less snow and shorter snowboard seasons in right. Ontario. Yeah. But I used to go to this snowboard camp when I was a kid. I went a few times. Um, it was at the top of Whistler uh, or Blackcomb right beside Whistler. And it's in the summer because there's a glacier up there and they basically make a snowboard oh. park and people go and, I don't know, practice for winter. Um, and a couple of years ago, they had to close it because the snow is just so shitty up there now. Wow. So that's just since I was a kid. Yeah. Like that's like, I don't know, 10 years. It was yeah. like a 10 year time span before less than that. It was like eight years after I went and it just shut down because they just don't even have enough snow up there anymore. So it's scary, but... One thing, I wrote an article about this. It was one of the first articles I ever wrote when I was getting really into writing. But uh, I was in Costa Rica, or I was in living in Central America for mm -hmm. winter. And it's, those places are beautiful and awesome, but there's garbage everywhere. In developing nations, there's garbage everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of people take trips, like you were saying you're going to Bali. Mm -hmm. You're already pretty conscious worst. of yeah. it, but a lot of people go on trips to those places and they come home completely awakened to how big the problem is yeah. and it's not even those people's fault they yeah. literally don't have garbage disposal they don't even yeah. they're not educated about they don't know the problem with just throwing garbage on the ground like they don't watch tv where they they don't have tv they, you know what i mean they live really simple lives right they don't get that info directly given to them about how it's affecting everything right and if anything i just feel like the western culture has glorified plastic just you know because that's basically what all of our trash is made up out of um, I was talking to a friend and I was like, do you think I can bring, is it worth even me bringing a reusable water bottle? Because I don't, I don't want to constantly have to drink out of plastic water, but because their filtration is so different there, everyone always gets Bali belly, you know, and it's, yeah. you have to be so careful when you're, when you're drinking water because it's sanitized differently than what we're used to. So it's not drinkable for, for us. Uh, and when my friend turned to me and she's like, nah, babe, like you have to drink from plastic water bottles or you make sure that everything you have comes like is imported uh and that that was just like wild i'm not excited for that like i'm not looking forward to that but well could you use a life straw have you ever heard of life straws? i have heard of life straw i usually bring life straws in all my trips. that's a great idea i don't know where can i get one mac <laughs> oh really yeah oh yeah they're okay. like 30 dollars at mac i bought my sister one because she's in asia right now okay yeah. so I, I can trust them uh, yeah. Okay. I think it gets rid of like 99.9. <laughs> okay. It's re it's, I've drank a lot of water in okay. third world countries through life straws. Okay. I just bring an algae and a life straw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, good. Unless the water is like green or something. Like well, be right, careful right. if it's like really dirty. <laughs> We're not going to be drinking from like the rivers. But yeah. You know. 
But you could. But you could. That's like half the That's point the of point. those that things. That is the point. That yeah. is the point. Um, we just have very sensitive bellies as um, as Westerners. Yeah. Because we were just, which is ridiculous because all of our food is fake. So it, we shouldn't have sensitive guts. Like we should just be, well, humans, in my opinion, should just be like bionic but anyways that's more about biohacking than i, know, I don't I know about say, it so biohacking <laughs> i know well i literally listened to your episode mm. about biohacking and i had never understood i've had never really heard that term but i do that well that's the i thing. just do that in general exactly it's like a lifestyle that i'm already living right because you're basically living with this idea that you that your body is a temple and that we should be paying attention to how we treat it in order to live a long, fruitful life. Now we've come to the point where we have to give it a name so we can study it so that we can be like, oh yeah, I, 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 I biohack now. Like I, I use know, it's various so biohacking tips. And I'm like, no, you mean you just like get eight hours of sleep and like, you know, pay attention to what you put in your body and you move your, consciously move your body yeah anyways but i know i left that episode actually thinking i don't really know what biohacking is yet and then i googled it and it was the same kind of really general terms i was like oh this is just like a trendy new health term exactly not that it's bad no no obviously everyone should biohack more probably yeah so we can all live like those blue zones i'm obsessed with that i think that's so interesting yeah i know the blue zones like the corn islands of nicaragua yeah that one place in Italy. Yeah, see, I've only it's, it's researched really like Loma Linda in California, and then there's California has a place. California has a place. I, apparently, they're more like religious based, but they're okay. like their longevity is fantastic. Okay. Uh, and then there's another one in 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 Japan. I forget what it's called. Oh, it's on the uh, the tropical island. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I but, watched a show about that. Yeah, too. yeah. I watched a documentary on it. I yeah. think it's called Happy. On yeah. Netflix. Yeah. That's yeah, the that's one. the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But cool. But those guys, for example, like they, they know, they know how to live and they understand that like, you know, are, that they, they are one of the, one of the biggest things about biohacking that, that she did bring into it that I feel like isn't normal is this idea of like grounding, um, which people I feel like right now think of it in a very spiritual sense. Um, but in essence is not, it's basically the idea that your body is made of the same matter in nature that, you know, the earth is made of and that. Like, when was the last time you touched earth? Uh, like, with my bare feet? Yeah, like, with your bare anything. Um, do my plants in my apartment count? <laughs> I, I'm going to say no for this sake, no. <laughs> okay. Like, physically well, touch the earth. Um, before winter. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's <laughs> wild because it basically, like, removes us from nature, and that's basically what we've we've brought ourselves to become because we've we've made ourselves think that uh humans come first and then it's earth or that earth is a home for humans but it's not um there's actually this really interesting hypothesis which i totally believe it's called the gaia hypothesis and it was um i forget what what was his something lock lockhart or lockland or something anyways um he he basically had this idea or this hypothesis that the earth will reach a tipping point where it will literally like press the eject button on humans. So with this whole idea of, you know, save the animals, save nature, save earth, save our ecosystems, 
if anything, it's almost like we need to save the human race because the earth don't give no, like, doesn't care at this point. Like, the earth is basically changing due to what we're doing right now, and it's, it's basically putting us to extinction is what it's trying to do. Yeah, that's the ironic thing, eh? We're just only doing it to ourselves. The earth exactly. will be fine. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But we don't, we never take the time to switch the perspective on that. Like we don't, there's this thing called the orbital perspective, I believe that's what it's called, where when astronauts go out into space, they look back on the earth and they finally see it as, as this home, as this entire entity that is basically semi in the control of our hands but also isn't obviously because it's like a whole you know creature within itself um but and when they return home they have this like extreme sense of gratitude and understanding that they are obviously so minuscule um but yep. the fact that all of us minuscule individuals have created this insane ripple of change that's occurring at an exponential rate at this point is what every human being needs to understand in order for their to be like a very like go-getter like let's put this on all of our agendas and let's do something yeah wow yeah i can only imagine how humbling that experience would be right it'd be amazing right <laughs> and i find that that you can you can understand that experience simply at least for me by grounding and understanding the fact that like there is soil underneath your feet that it's it's supporting you and that it will always support you you just have to understand what it needs in order for you to continue doing what you want to do. So this whole idea of like, when people look at like environmentalists, I guess they're like, Oh, what are you just anti-capitalism, anti-meat, anti-this? And I'm like, no, I think that humans are great. And the things that we want to do is amazing and insane. Like we literally do the impossible every day, but there's a fine balance like in, in essence it's almost like there should be this moderation in which we live in a capitalist society or whatnot um or even when it comes around to like veganism for example like i um i have just switched to a plant-based like a fully plant-based diet um and i i wasn't when i when i met you like i was chilling i've never really like i thought about it but i was like oh i could never do it um, but I fully switched and in my head, I've switched for, you know, the earth granted it's done amazing things for my health, but that's a whole nother story. I also love animals. Great. But at the same time, I'm not, and people will always kind of shit on me for this. I don't fully believe that we're not supposed to eat other animals. I just fully believe that the way in which we're doing it right now is completely a unethical and be completely unsustainable. So if we can kind of like slow down what we're doing then we can continue to do it. So it's not, you know, stop buying clothes or like stop buying new clothes or stop supporting these things or stop eating meat or stop doing all of this. Like, yes, we need to change our habits, but a lot of that just comes from slowing ourselves down. Yeah. So how can we be more zero waste? We can slow ourselves down by maybe not running to the convenience store and um, grabbing, you know, uh, rice in a, in a plastic bag. Maybe we bring a mason jar that we already had from a can of, you know, tomato sauce last week. And we just make the extra effort to keep that in our backpack. So when we stop by maybe a bulk barn or something, we just fill it up that way. Yes, super small things, you know, one person at a time is, is only going to do so much. And that's a whole other, I could just go forever, but like, cause, cause there's, <laughs> no, also this, there's also this whole concept of individualizing climate change. 
and corporations are putting it onto us as humans, as individuals, to fix all of it. So that's where that plastic straw initiative came from. Don't have a plastic straw, save the sea turtles. Okay, great. I haven't had a plastic straw in I don't know how many years because I've been conscious of that. But that doesn't stop plastic straws from being manufactured. We need, you know, government to make changes in order to make it permanent. And yes, you know, pay, like, what is it? Vote with your wallet and stuff. Like, it works. That's how we have, you know, so much organic food on our shelves. But now that we have so much organic food on our shelves, the definition of organic is beginning to change. And it's beginning to become a little bit wishy-washy and anyways i just want to like, really what does that mean it, but yeah no i um, have a show for people like you to talk <laughs> I, just, I have so many guests like, who come i never on. talk about this kind of stuff because like it's all just in my brain yeah um and we like we don't discuss it in class or anything so i'm always just like oh i need to share all of my information to yeah me. no it's good um, honestly like but the one thing that i find takes away from honestly things like veganism and mm. environmentalism um, like I'm totally respectful of all those things. Mm-hmm. I would consider myself an environmentalist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a vegan, mm-hmm. but I do recognize that it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people who take away from the power of those arguments by just being emotionally rash mm-hmm. and also just, um, their argument is basically just talking down the other side of the argument. Right. They don't have their own, they're not building up anything. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, for exactly. I'm met with that all the time. Yeah. When I talk about sustainable fashion or food, like those are the two main things that I care the most about. But anytime I bring it up, especially when I became, when I turned plant-based with my family, because we're culturally, meat is, is, is a symbol of status in my culture. Like every single plate has some sort of meat or animal component to it. So going back, you know, to your, to home and being like, oh, I can't eat any of this. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it causes a lot of looks and it met with the whole, oh, well, you're gonna, you're, it doesn't have, you don't get enough protein or you're being ridiculous. Like there's no, like this tastes disgusting or vegan food is gross. And it's like, like you said, it's always this like negative argument. And then, you know, I had my uncle turn to me once and he's like, okay, so you're vegan. Now what? He's like, now what? And I was like, well, I definitely know that my carbon footprint has decreased by a really large amount. Um, so that's enough to keep me going. And then at the same time, I was like, I don't think I'll be vegan forever. Um, I, you know, I would like to incorporate, you know, fish back into my diet or, or meat. And every so often, I don't miss it, to be honest with you. But at this point right now, I can't do that. I'm not going to sacrifice like, or... Or I'm not going to, you know, indulge myself on like, oh, but I just really, I just really crave the taste of it. Or, you know, just the, you know, going to whatever restaurant I want. Like, okay, God forbid I can't go to one restaurant because it doesn't have any options for me. Um, In the grand scheme of things, when I approach people and tell them in that way, where I go, just change a couple of meals a week. That even makes a difference. Because animal agriculture is so, so, um, is so like carbon emitting and... It just completely is it's one of the easiest ways to lower your carbon footprint oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people don't know about that no. about how, how bad it's, well beef is obviously the worst one beef is the worst and it's so funny because it's literally because of like their farts yeah like, it's literally, <laughs> i was hoping you were gonna bring that <laughs> yeah up. of course so it's literally <laughs> because of the methane that they produce um on these massive fields which then just increases the co2 in our atmosphere uh but on top of that you think about how large a cow is, a cow uh, needs 
X amount of land in order to graze and whatnot. And on top of that, they need so much more feed. And what's so funny is that all of our feed is, is corn or food that we could be eating. Like we, you know, they be grow plants to feed the cow, Interesting. which then the cow has this meat protein that we see as more valuable as plant protein, but the cow only got to be so fat and delicious because it was eating plants. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, I get that. You know, when you think of it in like that way, then it kind of breaks down that argument of like, you don't get enough protein. But aside from that, there's, you can find these charts. Um, and I think that one documentary that, I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio's documentary about climate change. I forget what it was called. Um, but he broke it down really nicely where he showed, you know, cows are the number one and then it would be like lamb, like sheep and whatnot. And then, um, pork and then chicken and then down to plants, you see like the, um, I can't think of like the scientific word for it, but, but you see the, the usage of land decrease as you go from cow to plant or even cow to chicken. So chickens require a lot less land in order to be, um, you know, bred and feeded and processed and whatnot. Uh, at the same time, it's also really sad the way that we now do commercialized um, butchery and farming. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it's freaky. It, it's really freaky. And I, I don't recommend watching the documentaries if if you're not ready to just go vegan overnight. Because I didn't think it would do it to me, but it really did it to me. I know. I have watched one of them. Yeah. And I'm not a vegan. <laughs> How so did I you don't survive? Know what that says about you're just me, heartless, but... basically. <laughs> Maybe. It's, that's what it is. Maybe. Cold hearted. But would you would you eat uh would you eat a burger or beef that has been grown in like a lab? No, because it really freaks me out. Just because of the weirdness. Yeah, just because the weirdness. Okay. Like if you if if you put a burger in front of me and you're like, this is your only meal for the next week. Like yes, I would eat it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to me, it's it's like that'll be normal one day. What? I, I think. A lab grown? Just, just eating steaks that was grown in a lab. See, but I don't like, think that's any more ethical. Like, I see that's one of the things where I think that we're creating a problem that doesn't need, like, we're creating a solution that is going to create a problem down the line. Like what? I don't know. And that's the thing is like, I don't know. And we've had this, this thing where it's like called like the precautionary principle or the precautionary approach where we often will create, you know, policy or limitations for things as a precautionary approach. And then ends up either, um, him like limiting what was actually happening or it just ends up being like a mute point. For example, this is not environmental, but for example, um, when they tell you to turn your phone off when you're in the airplane. Yeah. Like that was, that came from a, like a precautionary idea of we have to ask everyone to turn their phones off because it might interfere with some sort of signal connection, something, but it's not really a, a thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I've left my day. I've never like known I, the answer to that, but well, it's, I mean, I've always I, had I that could, suspicion. I, I'm like 99% sure on that fact. Um, but but going back to, like, the whole idea of, like, growing, like, la uh, not lamb-grown, lab-grown meat, um, cool, yeah, great, but, like, uh, like and, and then what? Like, do we really need meat that much that we have to, like, grow it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, I have to... But what, in the sorry. big picture, mm. if you're looking at how much, like, how many, how much resources that wastes... Right. 
It'll be so much less, won't it? Right, it'll be so much less, but our like, con- overall a, like, consumption wouldn't decrease. Probably and not. that's the problem. Probably not. Is that even with the, like the sustainable fashion movement, right? We're creating garments that are made of natural fibers and the garment workers are being paid uh, f- you know, fair trade wages or you know, being um, supported in different ways. Great, or we're using less water. Like, great, that's all fine and dandy. But that doesn't change the consumer behavior and habit behind it. Uh, It doesn't, just because I'm buying ethical clothing doesn't make me any more better of a a human being sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Because if we still have this idea of um, overconsumption and overowning and whatnot and not going back to this like circular economy, then it's, it's almost a mute point. So as much as we could say, oh, we don't breed cattle anymore... Sure, we're just making it in the lab and we're still eating as much of it as we were before. And whether that has to do with our health or whatnot, because I'm positive lab-grown meat is how must... I'm sorry, but it must have some questionable aspects to it. <laughs> well, it um, does right now or else we'd, or else it would be like... It'd be on market. <laughs> yeah, we'd be right. able to eat it, but right. clearly there are some things to work through for that. Um, it's interesting, though. I have a few friends who they were like hardcore vegans Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my friend ross who i have an episode Mm. with says it really well um he says that he was like a hardcore vegan he would shame everyone who wasn't (laughs) a vegan around him that kind of thing and um it's just not effective that way i find it really isn't but he went to he basically studied nutrition Mm. um and then same with my other friend just it's just two friends of mine Mm -hmm. who have said this but um they both they are basically vegans mm-hmm. like almost entirely yeah but they eat a little bit of fish and a little bit of eggs yeah and they they said that when they went to nutrition school they kind of realized like okay there's more to it there are some things exactly. that you kind of can benefit from having but for sure but for they sure. still have cut out all those exactly the meat right 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 basically exactly and i find that um I believe that in order for envir- in order for us as a collective, in order to move towards, or I guess move away from climate change, like move towards a better, a more positive climate change, we have to find a way to do it sustainably. And that's, and by sustainable in this term, I mean something that we can continue to do that doesn't completely alter our lifestyle. Um, it allows us to just slowly mold and shape our lifestyle into something that we can like do and it becomes second nature. So, like you said, I'm not a strict vegan. I call myself plant-based because I know if I call myself vegan, I'm going to get, you know, shamed. Uh, Because, no, I don't ask what every ingredient is in everything. I don't ask if it's been put on the same grill as a burger was or in the same fryer as, you know, the the, the chicken was or whatever. Um, Because, I mean, that... I mean, there's just, there's just different levels of extreme. And if you want to go that route, then all, all to you. I think that's great. But I'm trying to promote it in a way where I can, you know, have you walk away, for example, like thinking twice about maybe purchasing all of the, the meat that you do at the grocery store, you know, where you're like, Oh, you know what? Instead of a chicken curry, I'm going to make a chickpea curry tonight and I'm going to get just as much protein as I would. It's except I'm also going to get a lot of fiber and I'm going to, you know, move the digestive system around and it's going to, it'll be even cheaper for me to buy it that way. Oh yeah. Um, so I do that all the time. Right? Chickpeas are like chickpeas are, a gold mine. Chickpeas are the vegans, like you said, gold. <laughs> like I didn't realize that, but yeah, especially when they're on sale, like 99 cents a can. You yeah. can't go oh, I don't even buy the cans. I buy a giant bag. Oh, yes. And then for soak like them. For like $5. Yeah. 
And it's not even because I'm cheap. It's because I like that. Yeah. I eat fresh chickpeas in yeah. whatever meal I have every exactly. single day. You know, it's, it's exactly. delicious. Um, but it, it, it is changing. It's becoming something that's, like I said, like Planta on Queen just opened. And have you been to the one in Yorkville? Um, I haven't, but it's literally right beside my work. Yeah, I've been to the one in Yorkville. It has a very, like, bo- like bougie vibe, in my opinion. Yeah, it's I mean, tiny, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I always thought it was big. What? In my opinion, it seems like... It's very, like, open. Okay, maybe, I, maybe you're thinking... Of, maybe I'm thinking of a different place. So. Anyways. Um, but... So they just opened a location on Queen, which is, has, like, an Asian-inspired menu. And... I just went, I think it was, oh yeah, I went last night and I was blown away. It was so delicious and it was packed in there. Like people were, like there was reservation lists, there was wait lists, people were just flooding to try this like brand new vegan food. And I bet you so much money that only 50% of the people in there were actually like vegan vegans. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. But I've gone to vegan restaurants Exactly, exactly. Because it's, it's sure. food, you know, why do we, like, granted we slap vegan on it so that we know, you know the composition of the meal, but it's, it's becoming a nicer thing when it's, people aren't afraid of going to vegan places or like having vegan meals or seeing it as this like super earthy crunchy. Like, Cause <laughs> well, I mean, I, I saw thing, that right? like, for a while, I like to eat well. Yeah. I like to eat good, healthy, hearty food. Exactly. So I'm not opposed to a vegan restaurant. Right. That, that doesn't mean I'm going to go to a vegan restaurant and become a vegan, but they right. still have great food. Yeah. And you know that it's better for you than most other right. places. And, you know, asterisks, it's not always. <laughs> like, I will throw that out there because I know people will always, like, switch to a vegan diet or, like, they have, there's, like, those memes on Instagram where it says, like, vegan starter pack mm-hmm. and it'll be, like, Oreos and, like, all this junk food and whatnot because junk food is primarily vegan. Um and there is a there is a, a, a right way of doing it. I don't want to call it the right way, but there's a, a healthier way of doing it and a not so healthy way of doing it. Um, like when I was at Planta last night, they I got basically deep fried broccoli and deep fried cauliflower. Like it was like generally I was chicken, but cauliflower form. Is that any healthier than having deep fried chicken? I don't uh, really know. Uh, yeah. Was it know. delicious? Absolutely. But at the same time, I can't say that. It was, you know, this more healthy meal because it was vegan. Like, yeah, fair I think enough. that's a conversation that needs to be like debunked as well because fair you enough. can be a vegan and just eat cereal for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Which is delicious. True. I'm with not opposed what? to with it. almond milk. With almond milk, soy milk. Have you had cashew milk? I have. It's insane. It's really good. It's so good. Or yeah, now my, my mom new favorite that. oat milk. Oat milk. Yeah. Have you had oat milk yet? No, I <gasps> didn't even know that was real. What? Yeah. Where have you been? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't, oat have, milk? I don't eat cereal. That's the problem. Well, okay. I don't put it in my cereal, but in my coffee, oat milk is delicious. Minor Figures is my favorite brand. If you see it, it has like a it's like a white box with a blue stenciled like person in a duck costume. I think it's it's so <laughs> random, but it's a great brand. They All right, sell, like, I'll keep CBD it in mind. And stuff too. They're a really wild brand. They're really? cool. Yeah, okay, they're cool. Cool. Minor Figures. Look them up. Okay, I'll keep it in yeah. mind. Um, so we're at like the 40 minute mark. Hey, so nice. this is almost perfect. I like, I'm trying to keep them shorter and shorter. I, yeah. But, um, <laughs> so I guess I have a couple questions for you. Okay. I know you are into meditation and mindfulness too. Yeah. What are your, what are your practices? What do you, what is your regular routine? <laughs> you know, I in wish, terms of that sort of thing. Right, right. I, I wish I, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a regular routine. Um, it's funny because I teach like meditation workshops and stuff now which uh i love but 
my, I guess my day-to-day routine is, is bringing mindfulness into my daily words and actions. So the ways in which I react to situations or the way in which I carry like my physical being and body. Uh, and then of course being mindful of my thoughts. So while I'm not necessarily sitting and trying to clear my mind or do all this visualization stuff, if that doesn't work for me and it doesn't have to work for everybody. And that's one of the biggest things I preach is that meditation is not just sitting cross-legged and not thinking of anything. It's not. Meditation is, is walking and being conscious of your heel touching the ground and then your toe touching the ground and, you know, that repetitive movement. Mm-hmm. Or meditation can look like you lying down with your legs up against the wall um, and maybe listening to music and allowing that humming to do what it does. So I think figuring out what works for you and what you need on a daily basis is what I incorporate. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I've just become a lot more mindful of the way in which I talk to myself. So my inner dialogue has changed dramatically. And that's also like, like released me of all of my anxiety. Like I've, I've healed myself. Wow. Um, yeah, no, genuinely have. Um, so, so yeah. Cause I I remember you talking about that a lot Mm. previously. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I, um, up until very recently, I mean, I was a regular meditator, mm. but I, I, same kind of thing. I just meditated when I felt like I needed it. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. It yeah. was like, okay, I'm stressed. I'll meditate now. Right. But um, like really recently, I started meditating twice a day with a routine, like before I go to work I and need to do that. after work or before I go to bed. And mm-hmm. holy shit, it's amazing. You are like so zenned out yeah. all day. Yeah. I would recommend that to anyone. Yes. You should totally try it. Uh, you know, like, and it it's really so changes funny. the way you view it. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I complete, and I, I have every desire to try and do that. Uh, I just feel like such a hypocrite because I, I, I have difficulty finding a safe, like a, a space that makes me feel safe and able to kind of turn off in that way. And because I don't, I haven't found that space yet in my home, which is usually where one meditates. Yeah. Um, I try to incorporate it in other aspects or when I'm with other people, like slowing my breath when I'm with other people or, um, kind of being conscious and like, I mean, it could sound weird, but like matching my breath with like, you know, my friend who's sitting on the couch with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that's kind of weird. (laughs) It does sound weird. It does sound weird, but it's just another way of me being mindful in a, in a, in a way that makes me feel safe. Yeah. So. No, fair enough. Like, I think just being conscious of your breath is, like, such a cool... Like, it really is huge. Changes everything. Yeah. Because our breath... Like, our breath has everything to do with our nervous system and the oxygen that gets to our lungs and just absolutely everything. And we... We're always... Especially where we live, like, living in the city in Toronto. People are always like... (gasps) Like, everyone takes, like, really short, very, like, chest breaths instead of taking these, like, deeper, longer, like... I call them, like, juicy... Oh, I agree. Yeah. Juicy breaths. Juicy belly breaths. Like, deep diaphragm belly breaths. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think breath work is going to be... Hmm. Kind of like the biohacking of meditation. I think... Breath yes. work is going to get all the people who look at meditation as this like Zen Buddha thing mm-hmm. and they see it, they're like, can't relate to it. Right. Like, do you, have you heard of Wim Hof? No. Okay. No. Anyways, he's a guy, exactly, this is a good example because mm. he's blowing up among, he's kind of like a guru. A med- he's almost like a guru meditation, I mean, yeah. a meditation guru type guy among men. Like, men find him really cool. Okay. But what he's doing is basically meditating. Yeah. 
but just making because it... he's this cool tough guy and he calls it breath work instead yes it's got this right whole other the perception is completely different right which is like amazing let's just change it however we need to and that's why I, when i do teach my meditation courses that's the number one thing that i try to drive home is that it is not supposed to look like what you think it looks like and that there is absolutely no right or wrong way of meditating the only wrong way to meditate is to resist that's it yeah yeah. No, it's true. I have to come to your one of your yeah one of your things sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that. I keep that. hearing about these all the time. Um, cool. Well, that might even get, be a good point to end it on. Yeah, I'm down. So <laughs> I'll just ask you, like, I ask everyone this at the end. Mm. I feel like it's a good closing question, but uh, I guess there are multiple closing questions I kind of like. <laughs> well, what just what is inspiring you these days? You're doing a lot of cool things. You have a lot of different topics. <laughs> so what, like... What are the things that you're following and who and... Ooh, I like that question. Um, so someone who has been really, really inspiring me that I really look up to right now is Joe Holder. And he is a Nike master personal trainer. Uh, he owns a nonprofit called Systems of Service where he gives back to various communities in New York specifically right now. He is completely plant-based plant and has this like amazing idea and calls his like community like the plant-based gang um and he like has all this swag and stuff for it um but on instagram he's known as ocho system and ocho stands for one can help others and others can help one and basically yeah i know right and this and he always puts like the infinity sign next to it so it's basically again like this whole idea of like circularity where you give and you receive and that's and that's how it works and he does that and he just he's always posting you know, just different information about whether it's about like functional movement and mobility or like the books on mindfulness and meditation that he's reading. He's just like a vat of information and he's always traveling and just like, he just seems so lighthearted and grounded and always has like the goofiest smile on his face. Or he's like 4am in the gym, uh, and just being like, gotta move your body. Like you just got He's jet lagged from flying from who knows where, uh, but yeah, he like trains Victoria's Secret models and like Naomi Campbell and stuff and Hoodie Allen and yeah, he's a really cool guy. Amazing. I highly recommend. Yeah, I'll give him a follow. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, since you have your own podcast. That I do. How can people find you? How well you can find me anywhere as long as you type Consciously Sassy, <laughs> which is the name of my podcast. Um, yes, we are Consciously Sassy and we ask sassy questions um but no i have similar just super relaxed informal conversations with human beings who are super passionate about what they do and in essence we are able to discuss how we can become more conscious collective of humans what that means uh how we can move forward in in not only our day-to-day lives but again as a collective and globally um, whether that's, you know, environmentally speaking or spiritually or biohacking or whatnot. Um, I just try to find people who are just eager to share what they have and know that, know that there is a different way of living our life instead of just, you know, the way that society tells us to, a way that's more conscious. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining for this episode. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm glad your... we figured out a time. Yeah, finally. That's turned out great.